with the old knuckle. Which I know is still part of the hand, but it's not, I no, guess I probably touch my face with my Yeah, but it's fingers. not often we, you know, we suck our knuckles, so... Well, I could do that on, on air if people were interested in that sort of thing, but I don't know. Yeah, right a little, sh- le- little extra on right, the side. Right to the show, extra. if you want that, that'll be a Patreon <laughs> exclusive. <laughs> what we do here is go back, 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 back. Another episode of the Bros and Brews podcast. We're bringing you episode 15 this week. Uh, it is a Thursday, 3.40 in the afternoon as we are recording this. Um, but first and foremost, I've got to say uh, apologies for missing us last week. We decided that last week, look, let's just take a liberty and let's just take a week off. We have things on. We're, we're, we're busy lads. We've got things going on in our life. So we decided we'll just, we'll have a break. We'll take a week off. But here we are back for episode 15. So so wipe your wipe your tears, clear your eyes. We're back. We had a mega episode uh, with episode 14 on the Oscars, which was a two hour special. So you've had two weeks uh, to catch up with that and listen to the, uh, in, in bits and bobs and the car rides and bus rides and all of that. But, but we're here we are back for episode 15. And before we get rolling into episode 15, we've got to bring you week 7 of Brulette. Yes, Brulette is still going. And now if you don't know what Brulette is all about, go back, listen to an episode, we'll explain it to you all there. But just quickly, we're grabbing a craft beer. Every week we're going to see if we can we can get the same beer uh, from different stores, different locations. Um, and if we do manage to do that, then one of you lucky listeners will be able to get a bit of a prize pack of some alcohol uh, of your choice and our choice. But here we go. It will we'll start it off. We know the drill. You know the drill. Uh, so the first thing we do is we will name off the type of beverage it is first. Let's do it, do man. That. Let's do it. I've just had a great minute and a half to just sort of collect my thoughts while you very, <laughs> very aptly uh, took, took the weight of the show. Um, uh, uh, we're here. Let's do it. We're here. Three, two, one. IPA. IPA. Oh. <gasps> This has not happened. This has not happened in a very long time, folks. Uh, actually, I don't think it has happened. I don't think it's ever happened before. No. Or okay. Well, there we go. We have the same type of style of beverage. Uh, next is the brewery. Three, two, one. Choice Renaissance Bros. Brewing Company. <sighs> but the tingles were there. It was there, bro. My it, body is uh, now so, so tense. I just, that's the cl- that's oh. the closest. That's the closest, oh. and it's, we only got through one round. Um, start us off, bro. What, what what are you drinking? I I've got the Choice Bros Starman uh, IPA, which is an IPA I don't think I've had uh, before. But but yeah, and yourself. Uh, I have uh, a, a new brewing company that I haven't seen around before. Uh, the Renaissance Brewing Company. It's called the Voyager. Uh, and yeah, it's a, a IPA. Um, but before we go any further with that, let's crack them open. Crack them open. Oh, that's big fizz. You can <laughs> you can hear I haven't cracked yet because I'm so, yeah. Okay. Oh, it's, and it's in my face. There it is. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, cheers. Cheers. Oh, first thoughts. Um, well, I got a lot of foam. It was sort of a trying to do a clean up sip. So. Uh, 
to to be fair to the star man I, I don't think i've done it any justices i won't go for a second sip um first thoughts quite bitter almost mm-hmm. um almost coffee like maybe Ooh. heading towards kind of a, a darker style ipa i'm not detecting a whole bunch of uh sweetness or, or citrus or so 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 we'll see you know that i like my citrusy ipas and this yeah, first impressions very- doesn't seem to be but i mean it's just first sip you you have to wait till the end to, to get my final thoughts and uh and you sir yep uh, yeah, my, uh, mine is probably the, I would say most straight up kind of behind the bar beer I've had, be, uh, so far. I, I remember I had the, the, the rice, rice lager. Yes. Um, yep. that one time. S- similar, similar to that. Uh, yeah, it's definitely more on the multi side, but it's still light at the same time. My mouth is trying to figure out which direction it wants to go right now. So, um, yeah. We'll Not see. a hazy, that's behind, for sure. Behind the bar. Um, quick beer <laughs> note. Last night I was down at uh, my my local, uh, I guess technically brewery, um, Waitoa, uh, Waitoa Brewing Company in Hatido for the Wednesday night pub quiz uh, where I was a part of a team with our wonderful artist, Sarah Jane Jensen, amongst uh, nice. other friends. Uh, we came third. Not far off hey. not far off the top, but that's beside the point. Um but it was one of those nights where I was just going to be there and I knew I was just going to have one beer because I was there for the quiz and wasn't actually that interested in, in having a drink. And so I looked at the menu and I was like, well, if I'm only going to have one, I might as well try something sort of interesting. And so I went for something that was called a ceviche cerveza. Ceviche, for anyone who doesn't know, is a is a mm. fish uh, sort of... I guess I guess you'd almost call it stew. Like a, yeah, like a marinade. Yeah, it's made cold. Uh. You you basically put fresh fish in a lot of citrus, traditionally lime juice, and and the acidity oh, essentially so cooks in a sense uh, the the raw fish. And I love ceviche, uh, and so I was like, you know what? Let's try this. And I got to tell you, probably the weirdest beer I've ever had, <laughs> and not in a good way. Yeah, it yeah, was I can so imagine weird passed around the table everyone tried it just everyone pulling faces um just almost like soapy in a way yeah. and dan yeah. says he doesn't like this is sj's now husband as you all know hey. um he said he doesn't like coriander and coriander tastes like soap to him so i said can oh, you please try man, it and man. tell me if this is what coriander tastes like to you and he said it wasn't as bad as coriander would be, but similar. So for the first time in my life, I, I, I've almost understood people who 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 don't who like coriander. don't like coriander. But yeah, um, <laughs> if you're in Wellington and go to Waitoa, I can't recommend it. That's my that's my honest <laughs> uh, my honest beer beer review. But I also encouraged everyone to try it because I said this can be a story for you to say it's the weirdest beer you've ever had so yep fair enough sometimes you just want behind the bar sometimes you just True. want something you just want to keep it simple something you just want to keep it something simple. reliable um yep. but but yes unfortunately seven weeks in a row unsuccessful but the excitement of a uh, of a match of, of the same round was mm-hmm. was it was paramount it was it was yep. in the room um i was getting ready to flip the table Lord knows what will happen if we get the brewery right at some at some stage. Oh but my that felt like sort of a test fire drill as to yep, the emotions true. to expect when the true. when the real thing real thing happens. Guns ready, guns ready. Indeed, indeed. Um, <laughs> but to move on, man. How the bloody hell are you? It's been, it's yeah. been two weeks. I must it's apologize for the listeners. The uh, the week off last week was was sort of heavily due to 
myself having a very very busy week uh for good reasons there's some self tapes to be done some last minute auditions some some busy things on but i don't know if it was tuesday or wednesday but i just messaged matt and i was like i just don't think this week's this week's gonna happen especially because this week's uh episode one of the key points of focus was kind of prep and research heavy and and sometimes you know you just gonna give yourself a week off we're, yep. we're always about encouraging oh, totally. people to take a break and don't feel uh, any obligation to anyone and that extends to your listeners but we do apologize uh we hope you've had some time to catch up on the the over two hour uh, behemoth to use a, a brewing company um that was the oscar special but but yeah we're back for season two episode 15 and uh as i asked you and then rudely didn't give you time <laughs> and to then answer you did it. yeah um, no that's fine <laughs> that was the you? longest question ever uh i'm good i'm really good uh, i've had a really good two weeks man mm-hmm. uh First and foremost last week, which was really exciting thing, I got my headshots done. Um, and for you listeners, uh, James helped me out immensely with that. Uh, James has got all of the, the tools in the toolbox and helped me with uh, what you know what clothes I should wear and you know when I got the photos, what kind of looks I want to go for and you know as a as a profile altogether, what works and what doesn't and what you need and things. And it took me the whole week. It took me the whole week to filter through all of them. A few. F- uh, different flybys with James and a few other friends as well and yeah I, I got to the point where I now have seven brand new headshots and I'm so stoked with them really stoked with them I look at them and I'm like ah, yeah I look good it's good it's There's really no good with that right you know no, we're, heck we're, too, no. we're way too too quick to you know try and be humble and not admit photos where we look good but I think it's such a positive thing to say yeah, yeah. I love the way I look in these pictures exactly heck, heck yeah heck yeah so really stoked with that so that's been uh, a mission over the past week so I have them now I have the digital files ready to set out into the world um, man what else have I been up to uh, oh a really really good friend of mine and I've mentioned his name on the podcast before Dylan uh, is in New Zealand. He's out of managed isolation and he is in Auckland. Wow. And I caught up with him the other day and we spent a good few hours together just catching up. And because uh, I haven't seen him in years, I haven't seen him in about three, four years. Um, so it's really nice to catch up with him knowing he's in the same city. We'll catch up a few more times. So it was really good chilling with him. Um, and what else? I also caught up with another Wellington friend who's up here in Auckland uh, for, uh, for a bit of work. So me and him caught up last night, went for a few beers, had some dinner at a pub. It was really nice. So, um, yeah, a very, very eventful week, uh, two weeks, I would say, uh, has gone on in my life. No, no bad juju at all, which is a really nice feeling. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah it's just yeah. been such a, a busy time. And I think, you know, in positive ways, like obviously headshots are something that actors look forward to getting because it's sort of a, a a boost regardless of where you are in your in your career it's nice to just sort of get a revamping and yeah we won't go too into into depth um about them on today's episode but we may well down in the future because i have uh and i'm getting coming up to auckland next week to get headshots with the the same photographer um Mm -hmm. so we've got to do roll it all back do it all all again again. (laughs) um i was in town today spending a silly amount of money on clothes um (laughs) Just to get options, but boy. but yeah, it's a, it's a whole process. But I think you you have to treat it as such, especially because you pay you know two to three hundred dollars for yeah. the photos themselves. Yeah. If they're going to last you a year, it's one of those things that you actually want to invest time and money and you know process into it. Because if you do it properly, then you know over the next year that you just don't have to touch them. True. Again. Um, True. But yeah, whole processes of Matt and I talking about uh, different you know 
clothing styles and obviously Matt's very informed when it comes to fashion because he's worked in, in fashion and retail for so long. But weirdly, headshots are a whole different th- a mm. whole different thing because it's all about trying to capture range across sort of seven photos rather than necessarily uh, what you look best in or, or, or what you would wear normally. It's more sort of tactical than that. And then, of course, once you take the photos, and ideally they look great, and then you end up with 150 to choose from, <laughs> picking seven can actually be a really really difficult task especially Mm -hmm. you know when there's when there's different looks and from different angles and different smiles or not smiles and you sort of have to balance out all the options and as i said to to matt multiple times over the last week or so it's not actually about the photos that you like the most yeah weirdly it sounds so wrong but it's about Mm. it's about the photos that complement each other and give yourself the the biggest range but yeah i've done i've done plenty of uh, of talking to matt but now i have to go and do it all myself and it's it's really different (laughs) when you're in the situation in the situation um yeah, I was stoked for for you to go through uh, what seemed like such a great process and outcome. Yeah, the photos are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, probably won't post Matt's headshots on, on the podcast <laughs> Instagram, so you might not see them. They're great photos. Um, but yeah, it's been yeah. such a, a busy busy couple of weeks in and mm. uh yeah good good ways good busy a good ways yeah good yeah, ways yeah sometimes you just have to have to take some times off from things and last week it was all about auditions and and headshots as as it should be as, some, as it should be yeah sometimes. but you, you feel you feel good you feel good about those those ones yeah yeah it was it was a bit of a manic week like i knew that i had a certain tape to be done and then there was some stuff at work and then another one came through late notice through my agent and you always kind of want to try and do them even though sometimes they come through and logistically you go oh when am i gonna do this i don't have time for this but then you you really try and remember that this is the point like every audition is an opportunity and sometimes sometimes you can have both an opportunity and it be logistically like really bad timing so in the end thursday the day that we would normally record i woke up finished recording a, a tape edited it sent it in for 10 o'clock went into town to have a meeting with someone that i was meant to be having uh came back home recorded another two tapes edited that off and by the time it was all done it was like nine o'clock at night so thank god we weren't trying yep. to record no we it. weren't trying to yeah, exactly yeah and exactly. then weirdly on the friday i went to um uh, I had a busy morning and then ended up, I was doing a day of, of role play stuff for this, this company I've mentioned before, Outstanding Performance, uh, at the hospital, again with fourth year uh, University of Otago medical students. But this time it was exams for them. So oh, wow. uh, there were 34 students. And so I did 17 on one station and 17 on the other. And the first station was like muscle reflexes and strength stuff. So them just be like, can you p- push this? And I'm going to tap your leg with a hammer and did that 17 times and then went and had a, my blood pressure taken 17 times which is Ooh. not the most pleasant thing in the world i'm sure most people have had their blood pressure taken a few times and yeah it's just really fu- funny is not the right word that's a bit but mean but <laughs> watching students be so nervous yeah, because they, yeah, yeah you know yeah, it doesn't yeah. and in some ways it was a good learning experience because you know we get nervous for auditions and being on stage and shooting stuff and yeah, seeing these seeing these fourth year medical students come in and just be absolutely bricking it to take my blood pressure. <laughs> it's like it's I've, it's fine. Like and then they crank it up super high and you go like, oh, it's okay. maybe let it it's down a, a little bit. It's a constrictor. Yeah, but that was the end of my week last week and got home. I think at 
4.30 on Friday was just went, you know what, I'm ready to sleep for the weekend. So so thankfully this week thus far has been not less eventful, but less less hectic. So nice. yeah, I'm, I'm nice. very glad to be be back into the, the normal the normal swing of things, uh, as it were. Good. Nice. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad we've had eventful weeks. I mean, uh, if it wasn't that eventful, then the beginning of these podcasts would be quite boring, wouldn't they? So uh, I'm glad we have interesting lives. Well, questionable. Anyway, uh, I have a question for you. <laughs> yes, please. Um, I am more than ready. Yeah. Now, it's uh, it's pretty random. It's a pretty random question. Uh, and uh, depending on how long we talk about it, you never know. It might be a quick one. But regardless, big thought in my mind and a big thing that I, I always think about when I see people. Uh, but the question is, do you press the pedestrian button even if there are people already there. Uh, can I clarify? Is the light on? Ah, so do you check for the light? I do. Yes. And now if the light is on, no. you no. don't need to press the no. button. And right? funnily, funnily enough, I learned that from a Key and Peele sketch. Key and Peele has a great sketch about pressing the button when it's already been pressed and how you pressing the button when it's already being pressed and other people are there implies that you think you're you're better than everyone or everyone yeah, else's yeah. efforts are not mm-hmm. valued and mm-hmm. and the etiquette of it suggests that you're in more of a rush than anyone else so it, <laughs> genuinely since watching that specific sketch i have i constantly remember it and go don't you don't need don't, to don't press, don't press look the doesn't mean i don't jaywalk uh, yeah, no, all the time true i doesn't course. mean i pay complete attention to mm-hmm. uh the green man and and maybe that's irresponsible <laughs> sometimes sometimes it might be completely responsible um you know if you're if you're walking and crossing a road where there's no uh no traffic around but yeah i i'm certainly someone that that has been known to jaywalk from time to time but mm-hmm. uh i very rarely press a button that has already been pressed and i yes. will really press a button if there are other people around uh, there's a few yep. intersections in wellington that i know are triggered by pedestrian lights and in a circumstance where it's one of those intersections and there are people there and the light hasn't been pressed then then there are occasions where i will but for the most part leave it alone just no exactly so but uh, the conclusion is is that you were aware of the rules when yes. it comes to that button yes, yes. now the, the social etiquette yeah the social etiquette now now for for all of those people that i see on the streets multiple times a day whenever i go into town i'm speaking to you right now this is how it works when you're at a pedestrian crossing and you press the button you press the button and the light comes on the red man comes on that means that it knows that you're there the red man has come on and then when you need to cross the road it will turn green and then you can cross the road, and then it will turn off. There will be no lights on. If you walk up to a pedestrian crossing, and there are people there, and you look up, and that light is not on, then no one has pressed the button. You have to press the button. As soon as the red man comes on, you know that you're ready to walk. But if you're someone that walks up to it, the red man is already on, there's people waiting, you saw someone press the button, but you go and press that button multiple times, go to hell. Go to hell. You're not important. You standing there and clicking it 20 times. It's not like there's someone on the other side being like, oh, oh, they've clicked the button 20 times. This is very urgent, very urgent. We've got to go now. We've got to go now. It's not going to change anything. It's not going to change anything. It's in a cycle. It'll go when the cycle comes back to you. Okay. I just wanted to, it's a very big 
uh, uh, pet peeve of mine. So I just want everyone to be educated in in that etiquette of when it comes to pedestrian crossing. So please look for the red man. Well done for, sp- for speaking out on something that. Thanks, that clearly, man. It that really, clearly, it really, you know, really it, it sometimes it's so hard to talk about, you know, but sometimes you just have to inform the people of how it is, you know. But it's interesting because I think. I mean, say so you looked at Wellington, I would imagine that over 75% of like the CBD pedestrian crossing lights are on four-way intersections, where the four-way intersections are the traffic lights themselves are on a loop that is not influenced by the pedestrian light mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. It's a bit different if there's cars... Um, now, of course, you don't drive, so... <laughs> okay, say it again. <laughs> But there are certain circumstances <laughs> where cars have a green light to turn, but they are watching for they have like to give way. they have to give way to pedestrians yep. crossing. And I guess in that circumstance, you would obviously be wanting someone to have pressed the green button to be walking across. I guess what I'm hitting is that sometimes uh, you actually don't need the light to be on for you to have a free passage to walk because uh, because some you. of the intersections are, mm-hmm. are rotated based on the traffic and actually you pressing the button doesn't change change the intersection. Sometimes mm-hmm. it, it, it definitely does. And I, I even if I could think of ones off the top of my head describing specific intersections in Wellington would not be <laughs> particularly interesting or, or helpful. But but yeah, I, I take I take your point. And what's really really fascinating is <laughs> I've mis, mis, mentioned to you a few times. Uh, I think within the last couple of months that I've had a few notes on my phone about, about funny stories that I wanted to bring yes, up. Yes, yes. And one of them was regarding uh, something similar, the, the process mm-hmm. of being a pedestrian crosser. Um, because one day I just had this absolute dream. It's like when you're driving a car and just hit all greens in a, in a sort of run where you would hit some reds normally or frustratingly mm-hmm. all reds. Sometimes you just get... A dream run of pedestrian crossing lights. Yeah. And what I wanted to mention to you based on this note was, I think it's one of life's real sort of small motivational wins when there've been people (laughs) clearly standing at a light waiting for a pedestrian crossing. Yes, true. And you walk up behind them, 100 meters away, 50 meters away, 10 meters Mm -hmm. away, it doesn't matter. And if the pedestrian light hits green just as you're making your approach and you don't have to stop your momentum and you just keep shooting on past these people (laughs) that have been waiting, man, is there a great feeling inside. It is. You're in front of them. You've never had to stop. You just keep your momentum and you just keep on riding by. And there must have been this one morning where I walked down from Brooklyn into town and I had about three pedestrian crossings in a row where people had been stationary and I just got the green just as I was about to curb it and I went man this is this is just one of those life wins that you you have to take yeah what a great small little microcosm of of where society interacts the the things that happen on a pedestrian crossing yeah oh for sure for sure and and that kind of takes takes me back to um uh the episode where we talked about synchronicity Mm. and life as well that is very that is life on your side just very synchronized you can roll right through i i have a similar quick story to uh when i was when i was i'm um, hanging with my friend morgan who was up here yesterday uh we were walking down the road and we were just talking and i said to him i was like oh have you um have you what have you been watching lately have you watched and before i even said it he turned 
and he looked at the he looked at a bus that was parked right next to us and he pointed at the bus and it was a billboard of Falcon and Winter Soldier. And I was literally just about to say to him, Hey, have you watched Falcon and Winter Soldier? And before I could, he points at the bus and he's like I was like, Oh yeah, have you seen that? Like <laughs> It was really freaky. It was really freaky. Uh, I didn't see it at all. But uh, once again, those moments of synchronicity. Um, so, you know, we, we look for your stories and how, how synchronized you get with lights and pedestrian crossings. Because it is it is one of life's wins, for sure. Oh, for sure. It's interesting that you mentioned the whole like red to green thing. Because that's actually just a New Zealand thing. Pedestrian crossings are so different in other countries. I think in America, they're... It's white. just a hand, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is it a I hand? It, yeah, I think it goes from white hand to like white crossing man, and maybe it's different in the in the UK as well. Um, yeah, I can't and remember. obviously, you introduced all the looking left, looking right, based on the way that people are uh, are driving around the cities. But yeah, it's standing on a crossing with people who are heading in the same direction is, is such a you know, you're all there for a split, a fleeting, a fleeting moment, and then you continue on. Disappear I mean, into your lives. I mean, go and write the show entitled "Minutes Spent at a Pedestrian Crossing on a Monday." <laughs> but yeah, I, I take I take your point of there's a certain there must be a certain kind of personality trait linked to the kind of person that walks to a pedestrian crossing, sees that the pedestrian crossing is red and therefore pressed, uh, sees that there are people. Uh, gathered heading in a similar direction and they yep. feel that uh, a press or god forbid five ten fifteen quick succession presses will somehow give the the cheat codes that will allow them to to pass <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 exactly they kill it and to <laughs> those people codes. we say piss off piss off go away this is not your crossing um thank you thank you for entertaining me with uh with with that thought uh uh, also, another uh, actually one one more thought on on the pedestrian crossing. Uh, I no longer press it with my hand. Same. Yeah. Since COVID, since all of that stuff, I don't press buttons with my hand anymore. I'm done. It'll either be an elbow, or I might get my knee up there sometimes as well. Might give it a good knee to the button. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something to keep aware, people. Uh, you know, COVID, getting sick, sickness, other people's ickies. It, it's everywhere. And a, a button on a pedestrian crossing is one of those things. Button and elevators, uh, escalators, holding onto the handles on escalators and things like that. You know, be 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 aware. Be F-box aware of how many man. people are actually... I've been yeah, dealing with true. knuckles. I mean, I know you can oh, pay yeah. wave, but sometimes you can't. Yep. I mean, going, going for the old... The old knuckle. Which I know is still part of the hand, but it's not, I yeah, guess I probably touch my face with my Yeah, but it's fingers. not often we, you know, we suck our knuckles, so... Oh, I could do that on on air if people were interested in that sort of thing, but I don't know. Yeah, right a little, sh- le- little extra on right, the side. Right to the show extra. if you want that. That'll be a Patreon <laughs> exclusive. exclusive. The, that, that's only involved in the most expensive package. Uh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. That's VIP VIP package right weekly, there. Weekly weekly MP3s sent through uh, for your audio pleasure. Um, we we should move we, we should, should move on though. But yes, thank we you. should move Great on. Question. Thank you, everyone. Great thank question. You. Thank you. Um, thank you. Something that everyone can relate to. And yeah, if you're a listener who who is not joining Matt in, in our social media, just cons- consider consider how your actions are affecting the people around you. True. You know, 
you know? True. But also if, if you just really need that rage press because it's, life is stressful and it gives you it gives you something, well, hey, look, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. But you, <laughs> you could take it consider, out on that button. You could consider changing it. Um, we digress <laughs> and we move on. We move uh, on. This week, the the main focus, I guess, our sort of our, our topic, we're back to music week. Back to music. Uh, the last time we did a music week, we focused on uh, scores and soundtracks in film. Speaking about the uh, the... The, the great music uh, of of cinema and 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 the importance of sound within cinema and then of course led beautifully on to uh, the the Oscars where if we remember correctly I think uh, Soul won yep. uh, best what is the title of that category uh, best soundtrack best soundtrack yeah uh, oh no no you're right no best score sorry no it is best score best score best um, score and best no they didn't get original song they didn't win original song no they didn't uh, no one best animated and one one best sound it, it, anyway there are always right. links right. there are always links and there'll be a link into this week's one as well because I was thinking as I was doing my notes earlier today I was like aha a link to an earlier uh, to an earlier <laughs> episode um but but yeah, this week what we wanted to focus on from a music perspective is uh, the, the sort of I, I guess it's not a niche era of music, but it's a more more modern uh, musical aspect that it kind of goes on within music that I think people don't really realise all the time, or perhaps has has not been put in the spotlight, and and we certainly want to put it on the spotlight this this week, and that is the the musical era of uh, sampling, covers, and music production. Um, producing beats as it were and <laughs> where the crossover of uh using other people's work sampling other people's work copying people's work the the gray areas of all of those um worlds and and how sometimes it can be seen as a positive creative outlet and sometimes it can be seen as plagiarism libel for suing for for millions of of dollars so that's kind of the world that we're we're operating in with today any any thoughts off off the top from yourself sir we've got lots of musical snippets coming and, and all sorts of things but off the top what where does your brain take you to when you when you think about that kind of area this week yeah i, I honestly my my first the whenever i hear something that i've recognized somewhere else the first thing i think of is like have they uh, which will we'll obviously you know pull apart more but yeah have they got the rights to this or have they stolen it yeah. you know uh i guess that's the first thing i kind of go to when i think of like you know number one hits and you know like pop culture and things like that obviously that they, they are going through the right channels to get this up otherwise we'd be hearing more and more about it but i just find it really fascinating uh how and where that comes from you know like approaching other artists or an artist approach you being like here's the song do you want to do this song and and all of that kind of stuff i think yeah it's that difference between creativity and the theft of it all when it comes to doing covers and samples um to be honest the it's funny small quick example before we start getting into snippets of things uh very new zealand based uh, example of having a sample in something so new zealanders will know and understand what happened here uh but do you remember the year james that uh the national party decided to create an ad for the national party and they uh used a specific sound in it i do i do, do. 
You do, yes. And they uh, got all the those... pants sued off their ass. Sued off. Uh, yeah, for all of those overseas uh, don't know, our National Party one year um, pretty much basically took the rift from Eminem. Uh, is it eight, eight Mile? Yes. Yeah, Eight Mile. Yeah, the dun 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 They pretty much took that and it started going all over our TV and all of that. Right, right. And then Eminem and his whole production team literally sued them. And uh, yeah, got their pants ripped. It, it, it was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. But there's a small example of being careful of that plagiarism, the word that you mentioned before. Uh, it didn't sound like the National Party had any rights to it. I think they were under the impression that it didn't sound anything like the original, but it very much was. So, yeah, that's where it comes down to you having to be safe with the samples and where you get these things and not interfering with anyone else's rights and copyrights and things. So, yeah, I just wanted to mention that little snippet because I always find it funny how the National Party just completely ripped themselves on that. Yeah, just really botched it i think it's an interesting (laughs) reflection of where music is now and that i think for the most part collaboration uh doing versions of other people's work um covers etc is is seen very positively i mean we've Mm. seen Mm. whole successful youtube series radio series based around musicians doing each other's work uh i think triple j does like a version uh bbc live lounge does lots of covers where musicians tend to come in play one of their songs and play a version of someone else's songs um and more often than not they're brilliant uh, in their yeah. own way and i think for yeah. the most part modern music has encouraged uh great artists recognizing other great artists and uh, whether it be direct collaboration or I guess indirect kind of recognition of each other's work has been shined on really positively. And I think obviously the rise of hip hop as a genre specifically, uh, the way that hip hop is put together as, as a genre of music leans really heavily on this concept of sampling, which mm. until hip hop started um, kind of, its its growth as a as a genre probably wasn't that much uh, of a concept in a direct sense. I mean, I'm sure you could look through history and trace. I bet you Beethoven riffed off Bach, and I mean, I'd look. My musical history isn't that specific. Maybe <laughs> maybe Beethoven lived before Bach. I don't know. But through classical music, I mean, there's only so many notes on a piano. There's only so many chords. Uh, while music is is infinite in the sense that there are infinite things you can play, it's also finite in the sense that the notes that we use are actually really limited. Um, mm. So yeah, of course, of course, things will sound similar, and and I mean that's how shows like Glee manage to do so many mashups because songs do sound similar sometimes intentionally, sometimes uh, unintentionally. Um, and I guess that's where we go down down the covers route. But I think where we should where we should start our deep dive this week is on sampling, um, which for people who uh, I guess aren't hip hop uh, inclined necessarily, sampling is where you uh, an artist will take a snippet of a song, um, a previous song, another artist song, and and sort of put it within their composition. Um, now, obviously, when you sample something, you have to get the rights from the uh, the original creator, whether that's the artist themselves, whether it's the 
music company that represents them. Uh, it's not just something that you can do. You can't just take someone's work and then uh, use it. I mean, a good example for us is we have sampled uh, uh, music within our intro. Yes. You yes. Know, we, yes. We found uh, a work that was someone else's. We went through the right steps of contacting uh, a, a person who had created that music, saying what we wanted to use it for, getting their permission for the go-ahead and then using it within the show. And I imagine in, in some ways it's a very, very similar process. You're creating music, you like someone's work and you want to put it within your own. I guess, and again, we're not, we don't have the time and, and frankly the research to go into it, but hip-hop I think was the first genre that really saw the benefit of taking a lot of the time instrumental, sometimes not works mm. from previous composers, musicians, artists, and working around that to create, uh, new songs and new music. Yeah. Um, yeah. sampling from your perspective of, of things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think, I mean, the episode we did with the evolution of listening to music, I think, uh, where it, where sampling and all of that really started to kick in was when records, became a thing uh and djs became a thing you know i think a lot of the hip-hop influence was very much grabbing two sets of records uh and popping them together in a mix you know um and then from there you can hear what other sounds sound like and you chuck it in with your own stuff and things like that so yeah the the hip-hop industry for sure back in the i'd say yeah 90s 80s um is definitely where that big resurgence of sampling and stuff came in and and i think like you said there's a whole different bunch of ways you can do it you can uh take a verse or you can take a a phrase a single title you can take the melody or the the beat behind it it really depends on where you want to take your sample sample for and what you want to do but i think the main thing the main difference as we'll get to with the covers is that samples is it's it's just a small snippet the song is still trying to really be its own thing but have a little a little bit of life of of something before really and using that for their for their own method yeah yeah it's building off someone's work and respecting it and and creating something new uh with it in the same way that you know if you we do a production of a play that's already been performed you don't go and perform the exact same version it tends to be different based Mm. on the director's vision and the people that are involved in the show um and obviously you have to pay the rights to put on a show that someone else has has written again very similar respect and ethical processes um in the lead up to this week's episode uh, i mentioned that it was sort of research and prep heavy matt and i have both gone away and and grabbed some uh some samples that that either we think are uh really well known or some of our favorites i don't know what you've taken specifically mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. but yeah some samples that we wanted to listen to and and discuss um i'm excited to see that whatever i have absolutely no idea what you've brought to the table um <laughs> do you want to do your snippets first yeah, 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 yeah. Let's 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 do mine first. Let's do mine first. Uh, we'll start off with one that I think is uh, from an artist that we both love, mm-hmm. um, and it might it's a sample that I didn't realize um, until I researched it a little bit further. Um, that this is where that sound came from, and it, it kind of blew me away when I when I had a listen. So um, 
first off what we'll do is we'll listen to the original song a snippet of the original song first right um and then we will listen to to where it comes from uh so for all of you at home uh enjoy this quick little snippet And that is, of course, Kendrick Lamar, Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe. Uh, do you have any idea, in amongst all of that, where the sample could be? Uh, or do you know? Or did no, you know? No, no. I, I, think, I think I knew, and that may have just been from the research of literally the last 12 hours, mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that there was a sample within the song, but I don't know where it comes from, and I don't actually know what, what aspect of it it is. Yeah, nice, nice. Well, uh, uh, the this sample comes from uh, a Danish a Danish band uh, called Boom Clap Bachelors, uh, and it's a song called Tiden Flyver, uh, which I believe is obviously Danish, um, from 2008. Um, and here's a here's a quick snippet uh, of, of of what that original sound was. simple and it's sample and it's just that that guitar that guitar behind it's just basically two chords yeah so simple and that that continues that that same uh rift continues the whole way through bitch don't kill my vibe throughout the whole backing um and yeah that's where it came from so four years later after a danish band makes a song that's where that sample comes from for bitch don't kill my vibe that I mean, how could you have the creative mind? And again, this is why I think something is such a brilliant concept and why it is development of of, of music is that to be able to hear just a, a tone of a single guitar playing a mm. very simple progression and go, this needs to be the base of something completely different. Yeah. There is a talent in recognizing something you know, that's not to degrade the original to say it's like no, simple no, in a non-complicated way, but to be like, I will take that extract and I will build around it is fascinating. And I'm yeah. sure most Kendrick Lamar listeners have no idea. I mean, and even if they did know that it was sampled, they wouldn't know that it was from that specific band. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, a, a lot of our um, big artists that we know now are known for sampling, mm-hmm. are completely known for sampling, uh, and that leads me into into my next artist, uh, who is very well known for uh, sampling, um, and that is Kanye West, and that is Kanye West, and uh, uh, the, uh, I mean, look, everyone should probably know, uh, but this one's a bit of a journey on where this comes from, uh, so look, here, we'll just start it off with a bit of Kanye Stronger, here's the original. Work it, make it, do it, makes us older, better, faster, stronger. Work it, 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 work it,
Kanye West, Stronger 2007. Yep, Kanye West, Stronger 2007. It was a bop, it's still a bop, it's still one of his biggest ones. Um, a, a little bit more obvious on the sampling, you, do you, you know where this comes from? Uh, I know that he took it from Daft Punk. Um, yes. And I will say no more than that. Uh, okay, nice, nice. Okay, cool. Yep, so in exactly the same year, uh, Daft Punk uh, presented us with Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger. And uh, if you don't know the song, where have you been? Here's a snippet of it. I, uh, I absolutely love Daft Punk, uh, so I let that keep going even though I didn't need to. Um, yeah, Daft Punk, harder, better, faster, stronger. Now, I knew that these two were moulded together in the same year and at the same time, um, but yeah, I actually didn't realise that uh, Daft Punk sampled it from another song before that so this is a this is a three-way sample people this is a three over over the years over the decades um but yeah look i'll, I'll let you have a little listen to its uh its origin um and i'll talk a little bit more about it there so uh here is where it comes in 1979 and i gotta say i've now listened to that song a few times and i freaking love it uh obviously because i'm well equipped with that uh tune now uh, and the progression of that song um but yeah it, it's amazing yeah 1979 you know obviously more of a kind of disco disco funk vibe to it um and then daft punk obviously took it into a little bit more electro funk um and then kanye west is kanye west so he pretty much did everything with it um but yeah a three three-way sample of um and i i didn't realize that yeah edward birdsong had the um original sound for that uh i was quite i was quite amazed i thought it was really cool and i'm sure most people again excuse me don't don't know that i think again we can get into People can be very defensive of music, and I'm sure there's lots of Daft Punk fans that aren't Kanye West fans that will be like, "Oh, stronger oh, copied Daft Punk," ooh, and ooh. and and a lot of the time it's like, "But are you actually informed enough to know that Daft Punk took that from took someone, from someone else?" else? Yeah, and the point is, exactly. you can have your opinions. You can like Daft Punk more than Kanye West. Or you can like Kanye West more than Daft Punk, but you have to be aware of the fact that everyone is is being inspired by other people. Um, and what would be interesting to know is when Kanye essentially sampled Daft Punk, were they sampling 
the original or were they sampling Daft Punk's version? And if they were sampling Daft Punk's version, did they have to pay rights to the original or did they... Uh, I get you. Or, or mm. by way of Daft Punk creating something new, did then Kanye West, was he only sampling the second one. wave yeah, of, yeah, of yeah, stuff? Yeah. Fascinating. And yeah. did Kanye West even know that Daft Punk had taken it from somewhere else someone else again it's such blurred lines of creativity and, and inspiration but yeah no, I, I definitely didn't know that daft punk was not the originator of that particular beat and it's interesting how the original from 1979 has so many elements of yeah. the beat it's not just uh unlike the the sample from bitch don't kill my vibe which is sort of one instrument playing one set mm. of chords that's mm. actually quite complicated there's quite a lot of instruments um I don't know if it's the... The hi-hat? The hi-hat, yeah. The hi-hat, the... Yeah, because yeah. that could have been something that Daft Punk added in later on or Kanye West added in later on, but but it's in there. It's, it's that, in there, yeah. a whole little MP3. Um, all we can say is hopefully uh, the the original people made their their money from the expression of, <laughs> of Daft Punk and, and Kanye West, but that's a great one to track yeah. three, three yep. different levels. Um, and I'm sure at some point in the future, someone will sample Kanye West and I guess that is the progression if you're gonna take inspiration from other people you then have to be open to other people taking inspiration from you otherwise mm. it's mm. hypocritical oh, well that's art right yeah that's art that's entertainment baby yeah. you know you gotta you gotta take what you get <laughs> <laughs> sorry I don't you know get. where I was going with take that. what you can get um, um, two really I, great examples yeah two really great examples yeah I, I those are the two look I'm just gonna have some quick um uh, memorable uh, mentions uh, for me as well. I didn't, didn't haven't sampled them, um, but some yeah some favorites. Eminem, Stan. Uh, now the thing about this is that it's obviously sampling Dido. Uh, thank you from Dido, but Dido is also I think this is where the line kind of blurs a little bit. Dido is also featured in the track, so it's not like Kanye West was like Kanye West stronger featuring Daft Punk. It, that 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 wasn't the case. It was Kanye's song, but for Eminem, it's actually featuring Dido. Um, so, but it pretty much just took her track "Thank You" into that song. Stan. Um, so, still a sample, but I think more of a generous way of giving compliments to the artist of that sample. If that makes sense. Yes, it does. Chuck can I can I stop your honorable mentions for just yes. for just for the thought of because you might for one thing <gasps> I might you, have one that you might you have, have one that one that I have. <gasps> But also, Did I, do one already? But also no, I want to resp- I want to respond to what you just said then as a different version of something and because it may come up in some of my okay. my versions. Uh, no, that's I, okay. I, I, no that that's makes okay. total sense mate. Total. So you can tell people that this isn't scripted at all. We're just going with the flow. Just going with the flow. Now nah, um, fine bro, just have your yeah, time already. Yeah. Gosh. Have my time. Shut up man. <laughs> Let me have a go. Um yeah, okay. So my first uh, example of a sample is something that I would say is very very well known. Um again, it's a pretty good song. Just as an example of a song that I doubt many people would know uh, was sampled. Um, have a listen. I'm sure you know it. I fly like people get high like planes. If you catch me at the border, I got visas in my name. If you come around here, I'll make a more day. I get one down in a second if you wait. If you catch me at the border, I got visas in my name. If you come around here, I'll make a more day. I get one down in a second if you 
There's the classic Paper Planes by M.I.A. God, I love uh, that song. Just, yeah, it's one of those ones that, and, and, and interestingly, as soon as it starts, it's the start of that song, and everyone goes, oh, I love this song. Um, <laughs> there's a history. There's a backstory. Oh oh, uh, I didn't know this until I researched it, and it ca- came up in the last, uh, you know, days worth of looking into the internet but um there's a very very clear source of of i'd say the beating heart of that song uh here's a little snippet from the original and i'll then tell you uh who it's by So there we are, the very start of uh, of another song, and that song oh. is "Straight to Hell" by The Clash. Uh, ah. The Clash, a, a band that, to be honest, I don't really know that much about, but I know is is as kind of an iconic band for a certain generation of people who mm. are interested in, mm. in a certain kind of music. Um, again, very very clearly taken uh, it's in the same key i think i think the tempo is pretty similar um as you would have heard uh at just at the end of that snippet though the song does go off into a completely different yes, direction different and sometimes sound, yeah. sometimes that's that's the case you know a song will sample just a bit and actually if you looked at the whole three and a half minutes it's more different than it is the same sometimes that's that's not the case but yeah in my paper planes had absolutely no idea that it was taken from uh Sorry, taken from sounds like they stole it. Yeah, most yeah, of yeah. the times these these uh, arranged uh, samplings with finances, usually exchanging yes. Uh, yes. hands. But yeah, the Clash, uh, straight to hell, um, an example of an instrumental sampling. Now, one that I wanted to to interject or inject into the conversation before we discussed <laughs> uh, having originals or I guess directly cutting um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. into a song is from an artist that you've already brought up. Uh, oh. When you mentioned this artist before, I thought, damn, he's taken. He's taken <laughs> oh, the one no. that I wanted. But no, in fact, oh. no, uh, you did not take it. But but another great song, perhaps slightly less well-known, but in terms of the sampling of the song, I would say the original song is probably maybe more famous than than the the more recent version um i think the more recent version adds to it but there will be some people who you know the parents generation will go oh how dare they take that classic but but we'll <laughs> let you do the deciding uh have a little listen to this Diamonds are forever They are all I need to please me They can stimulate and tease me They won't leave in the night I've no fear that they might desert me Diamonds are forever Throw your diamonds in the sky if you feel the vibe 
the rock is still alive every time I rhyme. Forever, ever, forever, ever, 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 ever. I could listen to the whole song, but we don't have time for it. That, what that clip is from, is from Diamonds from Sierra Leone, Kanye West remix featuring Jay Z. Uh, of course, I'm sure most people will be aware the first portion of the song, uh, the the woman's voice, uh, was from the song Diamonds Half River, which was uh, lyrics by uh, Don Black, um, but most famously performed by Shirley Bassey for the uh, Bond franchise, 1971. Mm. And you know, for people like my, my parents, Diamonds Are Forever is, is one of the classic bond songs probably within the top three maybe even the number one most famous bond song um and then kanye west uh used it uh for the album late registration and as of what you were talking about before clearly it takes the song it puts it at the start it's the start of the song Mm mm-hmm Kanye Jay-Z then rap over the verses and then the chorus uh, The Diamonds Are Forever sung by Shirley Bassey comes back in and is part of the song um, which is a completely different version of something what you you were talking about before and some people would listen to it and go it's more clearly I guess ripped off because it's the song it's this, it's yeah. using the song yeah. but in some ways it's the, the opposite side of the fence there's no attempt to hide it's yeah, clearly true. saying mm-hmm. this is a great song let mm-hmm. me sing alongside this person but they're quite yep. different versions of um, I guess the same concept and so in, in my research about this I, I came across a different word that I'd never heard before um, and that word is let's see if I can find it and, and say it correctly interpolation 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 so if i'm understanding it correctly sampling is where you directly take a snippet of an original song like diamonds are forever and you copy Mm -hmm. and paste it into a new piece Mm -hmm. so uh in the sense that you you take it with the person's permission and you put it within your new song whereas interpolation is where you copy the melody or you copy uh, the instrumentation of it and you're still using that person's melody or the beat that they've used but you've mm-hmm. recreated it perhaps in a new key or on new instruments and that's actually a different thing within the industry because uh, i was looking into it with sampling you have to uh not only are you buying the rights to the original composition you're buying the rights to the original like song whereas interpolation you're kind of buying the rights to the person's composition but not the song because you actually haven't like copy and pasted it you've kind of copy and pasted the idea in a sense so they're actually quite different within music uh production which is really interesting i never heard of interpolation i never would have thought that there would be a difference between taking a song pasting it in or taking inspiration from it and i think where lawsuits get involved are always uh, interpolation because sampling, mm. it's always pretty clear if you, yeah. you yeah. know, as you were getting onto before, you were more clearly saying that in the case of Eminem, Dido, you're taking that person's melody chorus and using it as a part of your song. Um, mm. 
there was one particular lawsuit when I was looking through, because it happens quite often. People sue yeah, other artists for songs. Um, I wanted to just sort of sing a beat and be interested to know what song comes to your head, because this was a song <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that had been interpolated, but not with permission, and yeah. ended up being a £2.8 million pound lawsuit. Um, oh my gosh. Play along at home. See how you fare against uh, Matt. I'm just going to do it all a cappella. Um, what's the song artist that come to your head when you hear this? Dung, 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 dung. It's, well, I mean Queen, obviously, Under Pressure, um, but also um, the other one. Um, is it David Bowie? No. Is it David, yeah, it's David Bowie's... Um, no, he's in... No, he's not. So David oh, Bowie and Queen one? did Under Pressure. Yes. Yes. But there's another one. Um. All right, stop. Collaborate and listen. Ice is back. Oh, yeah, Ice. Vanilla Ice. Yep. Yes. Ice, yes, ice, yes, ice, yes, baby. Yes, yes. Ice, yeah. ice, baby. So yep. originally Under Pressure, Queen, David Bowie, and then Ice, Ice, Baby, a far more modern, recent song that, again, people of a certain generation would think was an original. Um, yeah, he interpolated it. Didn't ask. Later had to pay Queen and Bowie around two point eight million pounds. Oh my god! I yeah. did not know that. And I mean, that's just—it's not lyrics. You know, you might. Some people might say, "Ding ding 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 ding." You know, is is like anyone could come up with that. But actually, the laws around music are pretty tight, and you can sue yeah, quite yeah, yeah. quite effectively. But yeah. I guess that is the differentiation. Is you there's more gray area with interpolation, and sometimes lawsuits don't go through because mm-hmm. you can't prove that, you know, a certain quarter or progression is, is similar enough. Um, I did want to play you one last uh, yeah, nice. sort of sampling example because this is another, uh, perhaps a clear example of interpolation with lyrics. So mm-hmm. it's not just a melody taken across, but honestly, if you heard it and you didn't know of the the modern version you probably wouldn't put two and two together they just sound so different um we'll go with i think the the original so not the one that is most well known the the track that uh this this little snippet was taken from um and then yeah before we play the next one i guess play along at home see if you know where i'm i'm going going with it uh yeah let's see what you think Uh, so that um, is Don't Save Her by Project Pat. Do you know where I'm going with this? I don't, actually. Nice. Easy. I don't think I would have uh, either. I don't know how you feel about this artist, but but again, let's just we'll, we'll dive straight away into, into it and and see if if the penny drops. Okay. Don't save her. She don't wanna be saved. 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 I want a real love. Dark skin and ant The far far more well known uh, No Role Models by J Cole. Um. So yeah. An example of 
interpolation where j cole took uh i guess lyrics and the tempo of those lyrics and the way they put together and then re-performed them like in a different key but obviously lyrics being involved rather than some of our other examples that were just some uh sorry interpolation of of instrumental like guitar chords or such again that's somewhere in between where you actually take someone else's lyrics mm, re-perform mm. them um but yeah that was part of my the research that i found really interesting that there actually are such different delineations between yeah, for sure. how you end up with using someone else's music uh to create create your own piece um that was why i, I did say two uh, i cheated and did three but i thought it was for good reason because <laughs> no, it's it sort of proved proved a, a different point and the specifics of it you and i probably didn't understand before we went and i'm sure most other people uh that goes into the varying levels of of using other people's music for something in production yeah yeah yeah, yeah. interpolation it's the word of the day for me and it's a new word i'm going to chuck into my vocab uh interp- i'm going to uh, people can interpolate this episode yeah i in- don't know if i use that right but interpolate it how you want how you want yeah, yeah i exactly. mean sampling's such an interesting thing in it i guess with modern um music be it hip-hop be it rap be it electronic music i'd say things sort of post 1980s um we have obviously moved towards a period of music development where there are big teams of people involved in creating music that is often attributed to one person hip-hop as a genre and i guess pop as well actually uh again when i say guilty of this it's not guilt people were involved in the process but there are so many songs that were produced written by uh fantastic creative creative musical minds that people have no idea of their names um and often songs are attributed to the people who sing them rap them perform them whether they wrote the lyrics to them or not they are i guess the front man of this sort of proverbial band but Mm. often they don't write write the music and a really good example that i learned about last year there's a brilliant series on youtube called genius well the the youtube channel is called genius and it's about making the beats of um a really really successful song example is uh, passion fruit um most attributed to drake but the song the instrumental everything that you know and recognize from passion fruit i would argue was written by this london producer called nana rogues um and in this uh video on genius he says like i didn't write this for drake not not in a not in a a negative accusatory Mm, way but he mm, said mm. i came up with this idea it's a fascinating video he talks about how he was thinking about clouds and how that inspired the kind of weird ethereal sounds he was thinking about clouds but when these producers write music a lot of the time they create the tracks they have certain people in mind who they think might buy buy the the rights to them but a lot of the time as in the case with passion fruit it's not created for the artist that then uses it i mean to his credit there's nothing wrong with drake coming along going i love that music i want to write lyrics to it and create the song but so few people know who created that music yeah yeah and even less people realize that it wasn't created for drake because sometimes within production that is the case uh and uh, an example is j cole's no role models which was produced uh, partially by j Cole, but significantly by uh, a producer called phoenix beats who 
was creating the song um, from, I mean, obviously he had that extract and I don't know at what point the, the original uh, Don't Save Her was a part, if that was always part of the song, but he and J. Cole created the song together and he on another episode of this genius series talks about arguing with J. Cole over certain points and then building it together. But most people just know of J. Cole. And I think that is often the case within music is the front person gets all the credit and all the acclaim. And I'm not saying that they don't deserve it, but there's such an underbelly of music production now that things are so digital and there are so many people involved in the creating and editing and producing process. The question of ghostwriters and is it mm, is it ethical mm. that some people get all the credit when really they're kind of just the person that goes on stage and performs them some people don't even write their own lyrics i think is really really fascinating within modern music as a whole true true yeah i totally agree and i think that that leads us on that conversation of you know of people being known for certain things is when it comes down to covers as well yeah um because covers is uh, i mean yeah you can hear a song and you have completely no idea that that's not their original song you know i i think a song can obviously like belong to an artist but it's amazing how uh, a new artist can take that song and give it like a new cultural significance um, and completely just change what that song is about. Um, I mean, for some, just some, some uh, quick examples. Uh, hope, uh, actually, no, we'll do our samples first. I won't do any examples and accidentally steal your uh, steal your thing away. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, covers are pretty much just taking the song, getting the rights to the song, and you as an artist just doing something new with it. I mean covers aren't interesting if it's exactly the same song and the you know it's just a different artist that's not interesting it's about taking that song like you were saying with the bbc radio things these artists come on and make it in their own style and completely switch it up and it's amazing what you can do with someone else's original work um but yeah look i'll 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 lead it off with uh with with my cover it's it's pretty significant it's a pretty significant cover i um didn't realize this for a very long time um and then when i started researching again for uh for for doing this for my covers i was like that's right this is not an original um so look i'm gonna play it and you guys are gonna know it straight away um but you might not know where it originally comes from but uh here is the original get ready please don't cry we both know i'm not what you you need a doubt one of the greats one of the honorable uh whitney houston uh i will always love you uh from 1992 now that song uh whitney uh did uh for the bodyguard the movie the bodyguard um and so yeah that's the big hit title uh for for that movie um but yes whitney houston obviously stars in that movie and also did did the song for that um i will always love you um but that is not the original uh the original is by this lovely woman uh, right here. Please don't cry. 
We both know that I'm not what you need. But I will always love you. I will always love you. That right there, people, is Dolly Parton. Wow, really? That is Dolly Parton, 1973. Uh, it was part of the album uh, Jolene. Um, and yeah, uh, the I, I think it was a story behind it in the sense of, um, you know, Dolly wasn't obviously against Whitney doing it. And she was, you know, obviously happy that Whitney as an artist heard her song and was like, yeah, I'd love to do that and, and did her own thing with it. Um, but yeah, the the song Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You, Bodyguard, is originally Dolly Parton's work from 1973 album, uh, Jolene. I didn't know that. Um, I guess what doesn't surprise me is because that song has been covered by so many people. Oh, yeah. Thinking... They're covering Whitney Houston, you know, big yep. X Factor song, big American Idol yes, song. Exactly. It doesn't shock me that Whitney Houston would have then <laughs> taken covered it from, it someone, from else, someone else. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what really surprised me is that it's Dolly Parton because I know who Dolly Parton is. Yeah. And I have no association with that song. And it just makes you think. Like, exactly. She's crazy, eh? She's got a, there's got to be a part of her that's a little <laughs> bit bitter about Whitney, you know? <laughs> Taking her, but also it's about performance, you know. Exactly, two completely different songs. Two completely different songs, and I think most people would argue like Whitney Houston made that song her own. She belts it. Even the way that this uh, that line, the famous line, is performed, was completely different. Whitney Houston holds the eye. I will always love you. Whereas Dolly Parton which was super weird to listen to was I will always love you or something weird. Mm. Yeah. Like yeah. That. yeah. So she completely. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing about covers. People completely change it up. Um, mm-hmm. My cover example is less. I, I want to say no, it's not less famous and it's less famous than that. The person who covered it is definitely well, less well known than the person of the original. But for me, it's always just been one of those covers that I went, I think it's better than the original. Most people oh, okay. disagree with me. The original is very good, and I think it's a personal association I have with the song at the time in my life. But but yeah, I'll play you the uh, the original, the one that's way more well known uh, mm-hmm. to to start with, just to get people people in the mood. So here's a little clip of that. Do you know Don't Stop the Music by Rihanna, one of her all-time classics. Oh, so 500 good. million views on YouTube. Um, oh I already want to rewind back what I said before because I feel like I used a bad word when I said better than because um, these co- the cover's always different, but it adds something to the song. It takes it into a different genre that I think is worthy of the song. Um, mm-hmm. And I've always mm-hmm. just really, really enjoyed uh, this version. And I think it's... 
a top tier cover. Sometimes people do covers and like, oh, I see you've played with the tempo and it's a bit fun and you've done something interesting. I think this is as good as the original in a completely different way. Um, have you ever heard of a guy called Jamie Cullum? No. Well, you're about to be introduced to him. Here's a little clip from his cover of <clears throat> Ran's song. Do you know what you started? I just came here to party. Now we're rocking on the dance floor. Acting naughty. Hands around my waist. Just let the music play. We're hand in hand. Just a chest. Now we're face to face. I want to take you away. Let's escape into the So jazzy. Yo, that's um, so good. Love that. Jamie Cullum. Uh, yeah, so he he did a cover of uh, Rana in 2009, I think it was. I'm not sure how many years after the original it was. I think maybe two. I think 2007 was when the original came out. Um, and again, I don't know when I heard that, but I just have always loved it. It's completely different in terms of the tone. It's very mm. jazzy, uh, piano, mm. drums. It's a little bit slower in tempo. And uh, I mean, I definitely encourage you to go and listen to the whole thing because where it builds to at the end is is amazing. And he was just, you know, someone much less successful Rihanna at the time. A great song, a great version of it. And doing a cover of it um, didn't hurt Rana's version of the song at all. Obviously, imitation is the, the sincerest form of, of highest form of flattery. True. Um, and True. an example of something that just probably helped a newer artist establish his career. And the amount of times that I've listened to songs on albums, enjoyed them, and found out later on that they were a cover of someone else's song, mm. it, it happens all the time all the time and, uh, all the and time. it's it's covers can be a great way for newer musicians to establish themselves um yeah whether, I, I, whether it's playing a song that people know or mm-hmm. taking a song that is lesser known and for whatever reason they do their own on spin on it. it it can be the most effective way for them to sort of announce themselves as a musician yeah exactly it's it's that it's it's that recognizable it's taking a song that's recognizable and showing people that it's like, here's my style. This is what it would sound like that it's me. Um, and yeah, you're so right. And I mean, that's the big difference of you have like massive celebrities that are in the, you know, top 100 billboards that take other people's songs and, you know, do their own thing. But then, you know, you also see plenty of covers and of people on YouTube, you know, doing their own independent stuff, not famous at all. Um, but we hear covers and see covers all the time. You can go into a bar and there's a cover band, you know, it, it's just something that we all do because as you said, it's taking these songs that are recognizable and putting a completely new fresh spin on it as a new artist. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, I mean, as it will always be, there will always be a fine line in doing it right. Um, but I think it's amazing what, it's all, it's perspective, right? It's amazing what different artists and different creatives can do with someone's work, someone else's work and make it into something fresh and new. But I think what we've got to realize being in the entertainment industry and things is to not um, offend anyone in doing that and make sure we're going about it the right way. Uh, rights, money, plagiarism, all of that kind of stuff. Um, it's a very fine, fine, uh, tightrope to walk. Um, 
but we are learning more and more every single day um, and that's exactly why we want to talk about these things because uh, we want to uh, inform ourselves but also inform you people out there as well of, of, of how I don't know how cool this stuff is. I think it's really cool, man. I, I you know, I, I said last episode that uh, I think I said last episode that I want to start DJing again, um, and you know, and start mixing, and and that's exactly you know what samples and stuff is all about is chucking things and mixing things together and making a new sound and and things. I, I think it's music production is a is a is a is a crazy thing, and I think I got to say one of my favorite music producers at the moment um would be billy eilish's brother um phineas phineas has got an incredible mind when it comes to sound and music the he um obviously won a grammy for his um sound engineering for uh when we all fall asleep where do we go um for for, for billy's album um and there's a few little snippets um and interviews of him talking about some of the sampling and music production that he did um for instance when they were in australia on a tour um they were standing at the traffic lights at the pedestrian crossing which we were talking about at the start it all comes around it all comes back around yeah you see um, and they, you know, obviously uh, we know here in New Zealand and, and potentially other places in the world, but they hadn't heard it before. They were in Australia. And then as you cross, obviously you have the sound the when you, when you cross the sound and they heard that and they were like, oh my God, that's fascinating sound. So Phineas sampled it. And if you listen closely to, um, uh, oh, what's the song? Um, I can't even think of the song title right now. Anyway, that song we all know the song. Um, in the background, you can bad actually guy? hear. Is it bad guy. Yeah, bad guy. Yeah, yeah, bad. That's it. Thank you, thank you. Um, for for bad guy, if you listen closely uh, to the break in the chorus for bad guy, you can hear the pedestrian crossing sound in the background, and he's chucked it in like it's a little hi hat. So it's just like and it's like amazing like completely taking sampling uh from a different form and using real world um sounds he did exactly the same thing with another song in that album where billy was at the dentist and she was getting her teeth grinded with a drill um and he sampled that he sampled that sound and it's in one of the songs you know so i think it's amazing how we can obviously as a producer and as creatives we can you know just see things differently and sample all of these types of stuff to create new and you know inventive things and i think that's that's the good outlook for modern music um is uh i think artists and stuff just getting a little bit more inventive with things you know and 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 switching it up uh i know music's changed over decades as it has but it's going to be interesting looking at music over the next i'd say 30 40 years and how much it's going to change from there because i mean you think back to the to the 80s and 70s and how much music's changed in 30 40 years from now um so yeah i i I, i'm excited i i it's cool i think music is such a fun thing to be able to play with and it's so accessible for everyone as well Absolutely. Just taking inspiration, I think, is something that crosses all uh, creative mediums, be it music, be it uh, theatre, film, television. Seeing something, being fascinated by it, using it as inspiration some ways. We look at Nomadland, which we discussed in the last episode. Uh, Francis McDormand coming across these real-life nomads and using that as inspiration. I don't Mm. think, I presume, the people in that film didn't go, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
you've made all this money off our lifestyle. You know, it's about going about things in the right way and being respectful. Um, isn't it fascinating how producers can fit so much into into songs and they they're there we 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 hear them but we don't notice them um no role models is another good example of you may or may not hear when you listen to them there's birds in the background Mm. but they aren't just birds randomly placed they're bird tweets at the tempo at which uh phoenix beats wanted the hi-hats so whether you're using a drill or a pedestrian crossing or or birds (laughs) it's it's whether you like the music or not it's talent and it's it's creative ability to be able to take something and turn it into music um yeah i think it's it's, as you say it's fascinating aspect of of more modern music um i'm really interested to see how music continues to develop Mm. i love as i said uh like a version on youtube bbc live lounge i freaking love watching people cover other artists stuff because it can be a great way to get into someone you don't know by seeing them perform a song that you already like True. because you already know you like True. the song and then you as you said before you you pick up on the essence the style of, of someone else so yeah definitely encourage people to check out like version and bbc live lounge if you haven't already um loved all the samples all the covers that you you yeah. brought to the table i hope you yeah. enjoyed mine it was a great little i did yeah it was a mesh of different of, yeah definitely of ones we knew <laughs> and ones ones we didn't know um yeah. Yeah, it makes me just want to go away and listen to to all the songs. And the other thing is, like, it's okay to recognize that the sometimes the original isn't the best version. Yeah, true. So long as through the true. process, uh, it's gone above board. The money's been paid. The recognition is there. The credit is there. It's okay for the first one not to actually be the best. <laughs> Film remakes exactly the same. TV remakes yeah, exactly the point. same. That's the original point. doesn't have to be uh, the best. Sometimes it is, but sometimes. It's just not. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes and that's okay. Not. Yeah. And that's okay. Thank you for that this this week, man. That was such a great little little yeah. dive into into the the world of, of production. But yeah. but we do have to move on. We do have to get into what are you watching before we close out this week. Um yes. it feels like I don't know about you, but I feel as if I've moved into a completely different period of watching. For so long we were focused on watching the Oscars. Uh we've passed through that period of our life and the last couple of weeks has been been a bit different in terms of what we've been watching. Um I'll rattle off mine super quickly. Weekend, it was quiet. I was like, you know what? It's been Meanwhile, six months, Harry Potter 1, Harry Potter 2. Boom. <laughs> so watchable. Both nice. of them are two and a half hours yeah, long. Yeah, man. They're long. Two and a half hours long. Um, but yeah, after Thursday, Friday, I was... I was, I, I didn't get into it in the story, but I was feeling quite sick on those days as well. And so this weekend just needed to just stay at home and do nothing. And that's exactly what I did. Got through nice. five hours of Harry Potter so nice. good um MasterChef Australia I've mentioned before is back Ooh. with a new season I've already watched about 15 episodes of that so nice to to get back into one of my favorite reality TV series but um the, the thing I want to shout out because it's still uh, I guess on and happening is there's a great show on Wellington at the moment on its circle called Things I Know to Be True um it's a brilliant show uh it's it's I won't go into how much detail is there is there time for um <laughs> it's a fantastic uh family drama um that's just about i don't know dysfunctional f- families and and like the reality of of what having siblings and parents and 
that not everyone you know necessarily agrees with each other and the reality of of difficult families um it was written by andrew bovill who's an australian playwright in its original form it was in conjunction with frantic assembly which is one of my favorite uk uh companies who do lots of physical work manipulation of body that kind of thing um this particular version was directed by shane bosher uh i auditioned for it didn't get into it that's okay um <laughs> it's a brilliant show and if you're in wellington i think it's still on for about another week or so so things i know to be true um has been receiving incredible reviews and and well deserved so it's a very uh very very moving show um what about you sir what have you been watching Nice. Um, yeah, look, I'll start on the TV front of things as well. Um, as we all know, I am very accustomed to spending a lot of my time on Disney+. Plus. Uh, I'm a very, very big Disney Plus fan. Um, and the new series that Disney Plus has just released is called The Bad Batch. Um, now, if you have no idea what The Bad Batch is, um, watch The Clone Wars. It's all about Star Wars, basically. So Star Wars created the Clone Wars series, um, which was great. And in amongst that series, um, there was a certain squadron of clone soldiers, um, and they were called the Bad Batch, basically because they've been uh, enhanced from different clones to have different set of skills. And they're their own squadron, and basically they're pretty badass. Um, and so this new um, series, uh, self-titled The Bad Batch, um, basically just looking at them and how they're recovering from uh, the fall of the um, the Republic um, after Order 66 um, and how they're kind of dealing with that them now because, you know, they're not quite clones, but they are clones. It's very interesting. So if you've watched the Clone Wars series um, and you enjoyed The Bad Batch, do watch this um if not i think bad batch in itself still a good little um animated series to to watch if you are a fan of star wars um but yeah really good two episodes out so far um so i am enjoying the bad batch because i i very much and they were probably one of my favorite things of the clone wars uh when i watched the series um so i recommend that disney plus bang not a sponsor um and the last thing actually very impromptu uh impromptu in a very uh um a word i uh, anyway last night i was sitting at, uh, after hanging out with my mate i came home and i was like yeah ready for a for a night in nice um and i got a text from my friend eddie uh and she was like do you want to come and see some improv and i was like oh yeah okay i will so i trekked all the way out went to Ponsonby uh, and saw an improv show uh, and they call themselves Bull Rush. It's called Bull Rush um, and they're currently performing um, at Covert Theatre up in Ponsonby um, for the rest of this week as a part of the Comedy Fest um, and yeah, it's exactly what you think of an improv show. A uh, bunch of people on stage um, asking the audience for ask fors and doing sketches and things like that. So it's really nice after being down in Wellington, um, you know, seeing improv and being a, a amongst the improv and now being up here in Auckland I've um I found a group that are doing the same thing um now look I must say I did go to them after the show and I was like hey I'd really like to uh step in on a in a room one day uh and they were like yeah man sweet honestly get in contact with us would love that so I was pretty stoked I was pretty stoked um so yeah and they were really good uh, honestly what you think of uh, improv everyone was really nice and that was on point um it's so hard to talk about improv shows because every single show is completely different and that is the point but yes I went and saw that last night bull rush if you're in Auckland look out for them they will be on uh, again after the comedy fest when they're on 
Nice, nice, love it. Good from us, bro. Two weeks, some TV, some some films, yeah, some some We're shows. Getting there. We're getting, We're getting there. We're getting there. We're seeing it. <laughs> um, and and I guess the last thing to say before uh, before next week. No, the thing, the thing before the sip. Oh, um, the thing before the. I'm in Auckland next week. Man, I haven't even talked about it. Yeah, we have. That's right. So next week will be one of those special uh, in-person little numbers. We haven't figured out when we're going to do it. Um, We've, in fact, basically not talked about the fact that I'm coming to Auckland at all. Life's (laughs) been too busy, folks. There's been uh, headshots. There's been uh, self-tapes. There's been there's been sickness, but but we're feeling better now. And uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, next week will be the the third time. Well. I guess technically the fourth time fourth. That, that we record uh, in person, um, which is very, very exciting. And yeah. just as exciting as the fact that Matt and I will get to have a couple beers together. Hey. A couple beers in person. Um, oh. But t- for today, it's been a classic uh, uh, distance beverage. Yes. Um, I've got to say, man, Starman, uh, down the end of the pack of the beers we've had via Brewhead. Okay. My first instinct was was kind of what it was. Uh, it doesn't have the sweetness or sort of the fruitiness that I look for an IPA. I know I've harped on about this before. I think the most telling aspect of the description is it says uh, a bright tropical juiciness. I wouldn't say that's true, but what I would say is true is and sparkling gust of orange peel. I Ooh. think there's sort of a, a bitterness. Now I'm not going to say it's marmalade specifically, but but there's a bitterness to this <laughs> IPA that that. It's fine. I haven't hated it, but I wouldn't choose it over something that was slightly more fruity. So um, I think I'm going to give it... Hang on, I have one last sip. I'm rock, rocking between a high of a number and low of a number. Um, I think I'll give it a 7.1. Um, yeah, 7.1 is, is where I'm going to sit. Uh, didn't, didn't not enjoy it, but in comparison to other beers I've had on the show uh, so far, not one of my top tier. And and how about yours, sir? Uh, yeah, my my beer has been interesting. Um, I just read the description. Well, I read it earlier, but my description, it says, enjoy with robust cheeses, curries, or pizza. So it makes me feel like I would enjoy this beer more if I had like a curry or a pizza next to me. I feel like I you feel enjoy like, any beer more with a curry. Well, yeah, true. Yeah, it's a good point. But no, I, I honestly, I do think that this is a bit of a drinking beer with a meal. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be paired really well with something, hence why they probably put it on the can. But that is what my palate is thinking right now. I, I feel like food, which I guess is a, a good thing for the beer itself. Because um, you need to obviously eat when you're drinking. Drink responsibly, people. Um but yeah, I, 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 yeah, like I said, it's definitely away from those hazy citrus tones that we've obviously come to accustomed and, and very loved in in this podcast. Um, so yeah, it's 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 good, but it's it's definitely it's down the pack a bit. I would have to give this, I would say, a seven point three. So still good. Still good, but definitely not in my uh, high high regards. It's not. It's not at the the top tier. I mean, we've done seven yep. H, fourteen of New Zealand's craft beers covered. Uh, simple simple maths tells us that we're at uh, fifty six dollars. Is that right? No, twenty eight dollars. Twenty eight. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. two dollars each. Two dollars each. 
If it don't was get $4, excited, mate. No, don't Do not get excited. $28. The prize bags at $28. It will only uh, continue to rise. Um, but we got close, didn't we? The closest we've ever we got. Did, today. Man. Oh, oh, it was good. It yeah. was good. That's how it needs to be. That's how it needs to be. Um, <laughs> fingers crossed that we'll get there eventually. We will. My, I must say, as someone sent me a, a message this week, a picture of uh, Thorndon New World, where they claimed to have, I think it was 570 craft beers available. Um, oh, no. Which, I mean, I'll probably never go to Thorndon New World, but it didn't give me much hope about our chances. But, hey, it's not necessarily about that. What we are enjoying is coming on every week, having a beer together, uh, working our way through some of New Zealand's New Zealand's best, and having some good chats along the way. And this week exactly. has been a great old yarn, my friend. Exact, yeah, man. No, I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed it. I always love it when we uh, bring bring some new sounds in for the people to listen throughout the episode and and ourselves, obviously. So, um, thank you, thank you very much once again, and um, thank you for obviously patience and 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 skipping a week. And and here we are. We continue the ball rolling now. We continue the ball rolling. We'll be back next week uh, from the same location from Auckland. It's been a long time since we've recorded in Auckland. I think it was our like episode. <laughs> single digits last time yeah, um, ages ago. we're both looking forward to it both the podcast and the uh, the uh, frivolities that come along aside that um, <laughs> no spoilers next week will come in its own time and until then all that's left to be said is we will see you next time So, what are you going to listen to now? You could browse endless podcast lists and take a shot. You could ask your mates and wait for no one to reply. Or you could listen to us, your friendly castologists, the professional pickers of all things podcast. Zane, Nick and Liz listen to all the things so you don't have to and find the best podcast that should be on your radar. Every Monday we're coming at you with three hand-picked podcast recommendations. Then we review each other's selections so you know what's really good. Will we always agree with each other's picks? Yeah, probably not. But hey, you're clever. You know how that's how reviews work. You got this. Uh, That's Not Kind of Productions podcast.